Hello, this is Ken Root. AgriTalk covered many topics. Our audience was mostly in the Plains and the Midwest, but the issues we addressed were more widespread. We tried to get stations in the Southeast, but we usually failed to do so. One station manager from the Deep South said to me, Our farmers don't have an hour to listen to the radio. However, in 1999, the tobacco industry, primarily in the southeast but spread across the country, was dealing with a historic event. States' attorneys general had sued the tobacco companies for lying about cancer-causing properties of cigarettes. The states won and opened up a total settlement of over $200 billion dollars. However, the tobacco growers were left out of the payments for the loss of their crops. Tobacco had been legally grown in this country for 400 years, but this settlement clearly indicated that tobacco production and use would drop. In this program, I spoke with two tobacco farmers and the executive director of the North Carolina Tobacco Growers Association. We had callers, and it was insightful as to the pain and confusion most felt. Independent of this broadcast, I have recently recorded a program with Graham Boyd, the same man, executive director of the North Carolina Tobacco Growers Association, who is on this show. It's just 24 years later. He gives an update on what happened to the tobacco industry and the growers in his state. He's also very knowledgeable and somewhat philosophical in his views on government making major social changes and the irony of marijuana use in the U.S. that is growing today. This show can be found on my Better Than Nothing series on Podbean. I'll post the link online. This is AgriTalk. I'm Ken Root. Tobacco has been grown in America since colonial times. People have smoked tobacco since it was found that the leaves could be dried and burned in a pipe. It appears that all that was for tobacco is now coming to an end in America. All stability is gone from being a tobacco grower. We know the negative health effects of cigarettes, but we do not know the effect of the loss of tobacco as a cash crop for farmers and rural communities. Lately, there is another ingredient stirred into the tobacco controversy, money. Over $200 billion that tobacco companies have agreed to pay to states to compensate them for the health cost to treat tobacco-related illnesses. The group that was left out of the negotiations and being bypassed now, if possible, by the states is the tobacco farmer, who will be denied the right to grow the crop that has been very profitable for generations. There is really no replacement for tobacco on the small patches of eastern Kentucky. In the larger fields of other areas, the options are not much better, Soybeans, wheat, cotton, all now in surplus, all at low prices. So tobacco farmers have turned their attention to the state governments who have the money and to tobacco companies who say they're going to be able to give them some compensation in an attempt to get some share of the billions. Over the course of the hour, we hope to talk with three tobacco farmers and representatives of the tobacco industry. I have two on the line with me for the first half hour. The third will join us after the break. Jimmy Lee is a farmer from North Carolina. He organized a tractorcade on March 1st, and 500 farmers blockaded traffic in downtown Raleigh. They sort of just had a parade that started at the state fairgrounds and made a five-mile path to the Capitol and around the governor's mansion. Jimmy is from Johnston County, North Carolina. 
He's been farming for 28 years. He raises a sizable acreage of tobacco, about 250. He also grows cucumbers, wheat, soybeans, and cotton. Jimmy, good morning. Welcome to AgriTalk. Yes, good morning. Tell me, uh, what brought you to the point of organizing a tractor cade to the Capitol? Well, uh, the people out of the other 49 states need to need to uh, realize that a tobacco farmer in North Carolina was sacrificed for the whole MSA agreement. And why I say that is we, we grow 67% of the fluke here or 38% of all the tobacco production in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And th- this uh, MSA agreement w- was done on a per capita or, you know, they cost to... Uh, uh, increased cost to the taxpayer as far as uh, uh, treating for the tobacco illness, so they say. You know what I'm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times I I, I, I disagree, and, and people don't need to understand. There's no farmer out here. It's always uh, they're saying that you, know, you start smoking when you're you're young, and and before before you get of age to make your own decision. There's no farmer out here that wants to see their young uh, youngster. I, I, you know, I think the smoking age. You know, the farmers as a whole uh, wants that to be left up to the individual when they get of age to make their own choice. And a whole lot of uh, the deterrent from a teenager smoking versus one not smoking, and I think that the perspective needs to be put back on the home because, you know, that's where you, your children get the guidance from the parents. Well, so l- let's think- put the perspective on the farmer at this point. I mean, we can talk about smoking, and, and we'll get buried in it because mm-hmm. of those people who say it's your God-given right to do whatever you want if you're an adult, right. and those who say that society must protect you from ills. Right. Uh, and, and we'll get into That'll be a big-time deal. I, 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 that's gotten a lot of press. The thing that hasn't gotten much recognition Mm-hmm. Is why I'm having you and Donnie here at the first half hour. Is that you, as the person who raises this crop, you've raised it legally for yes. generations. Yes. And now you're being told you can't do that anymore. What kind of impact is that going to have on you and your community? Well, the, the tobacco dependent community, uh, you know, the way that, that the community stays whole is if the farmers whole. You know, we've kept these communities up for 200 years, we built it. We built the churches, we built the rural fire departments, and we created the, the base for these tobacco-dependent communities to to thrive on. You, you might be interested to know that I talked to two gentlemen in Montana yesterday that had almost the identical story you do uh-huh. of that the farmer in that area were the ones that were really the cornerstones of the community and the economic support for the community. Yes. Uh-huh. Now, in your area, what what is the future going to be? Uh, and I'm not going to get to Donnie here until I get come back from the break, but what is the what is going to happen to your ability to produce tobacco in the future? Are you going to totally be denied the ability to grow the crop? No, sir. I, I don't think that uh, we, we know that we're going for, for domestic use. I mean, the trend is set that that we <clears throat> the uh, our production for domestic use is, is going to decline. And... <clears throat> uh, the world consumption is growing between one and two percent a year, so there is a market out there for what we're growing. But the the program that we operate under, you know, with the inflated cost added to the cost of production of our crop, uh, is you know keeping us from from getting our share of that market. 
Okay. And and I, I want the people to know that I'm not advocating to eliminate the tobacco program. What I'm saying is this thing has to be restructured back to the original intent in the beginning. All right. With that, let me stop and go to a commercial break here. When we come back, we'll add in Donnie Smith, who's a tobacco farmer from Willacoochee, Georgia, if I got even close to that. And we'll take your phone calls this morning as we talk about the perilous situation, really, the lack of any stability now for the tobacco farmer in this country. So if you are from that sector and you'd like to add in your nickel's worth, 888-247-4825. This is Agritalk. Quite a number of states have ties to tobacco production. Even in the midsection of the country, uh, various kinds of tobacco are grown uh, through Pennsylvania on down, especially into the southeastern part of the country, Kentucky, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia. So many people are affected by this. And I think it's of interest to anybody in agriculture to see what can happen to you when the crop that you've been growing and depending upon could be eliminated. And uh, who knows what else that might be at some point in the future. Uh, Donnie Smith is the owner of Smith Farms in Willacoochee, Georgia. I'll try that a second time. He's been active in grower organizations from Farm Bureau to the Georgia Agri-Leaders. He farms tobacco, cotton, peanuts, cattle, and pine trees. Donnie, good morning. Good morning. Did I get even close to the name of your hometown? You're correct. Willacoochee. Willacoochee. You um, raise about 40 acres of tobacco, and you heard what... uh, Jimmy Lee had to say just a moment ago, what is your current concern about your future as a tobacco farmer? Well, first I'd like to say that it's a beautiful day down here in South Georgia. The sun's shining brightly. It's in the mid-70s. The birds are singing. If you listen closely, you can probably hear the tobacco transplanter as our money crop's going into the crown. But there is a storm of brewing that we've talked about. There's a lot of uncertainty there. We don't know what the future is going to hold for us as tobacco farmers. We've been growing this crop all of our life. It's a crop that we can depend on to pay the bills. Quite honestly, sometimes, you know, we wake up in the middle of the night with sweaty palms, not knowing what's going to happen to our future. So we very are much concerned about this legal crop that we grow. Uh, we are concerned with farmers all across the nation, though, because we all have similar, similar problems. We're all just trying to make a living. We're trying to survive, and that's what we tobacco farmers are trying to do, Well, when to survive. It, when it first was talked about that uh, you would not uh, find tobacco either to be legal or to be profitable, that people said you could switch to something else, is there any way that you can keep your cash receipts and your profitability by moving from tobacco to another crop? No, we have tried other crops in the area, and we'd like an alternative crop to go along with tobacco. One thing that we've hit upon in the area is Vidalia onions. And they're good. You should try some. Yeah, I have. They're great. Uh, Also, we're growing a Georgia sweet carrot. Uh, This is going to be marketed. It's going to be so sweet you can just bite into it. And, you know, be like the Washington apple. You can just eat it raw. But we are trying alternative crops. But we haven't come up with those crops yet that will replace tobacco. We can't grow corn uh, very profitable here in Georgia. I grew corn last year. I irrigated it 11 times. Uh, Made 150 bushels. Out by Midwestern standards, you know, that's nothing. We can't grow some crops uh, and and other crops and make a living. So tobacco is the backbone of our economy here, of our small rural communities. Tobacco is the crop that we depend on. 
Well, can I cut to the chase here in a couple of minutes, and then we'll go to another break with both of you, of what about the money that is now coming into the states? Donnie, do you feel like a part of it should be for transitioning you farmers uh, out of this uh, loss of a crop and into some other means of making a living? Well, I feel like that we should be compensated for our losses. I feel like that there's a, probably 35, 38 million people that smoke in America, and if those people have made the choice to smoke and want to continue to smoke, I feel like that the American tobacco farmers should be able to grow that crop. After all, we can grow some of the best quality tobacco in the world, uh, some of the safest. Uh, we use correct chemicals on it. And if people are going to smoke, and like you said, it's controversial. Smoking is controversial. I don't smoke. I don't advocate smoking. But for those people that have gr- that that do smoke, I want to be able to grow that crop and contribute to my rural economy and to the nation and to the state with the taxes that are generated from tobacco. Jimmy Lee, uh, some people call you a bit of a radical, although I haven't heard it in your voice as of yet. What amount of the money that would go to North Carolina do you feel like the tobacco farmers deserve? We were only asking, you know, for 50% of phase one. 50%. 50%, which would be $2.3 billion. And, you know, by, by even that percentage, uh, the, the, the tobacco production that's grown in North Carolina, you know, we could no ways even be compensated for the states like uh, Donnie's in South Carolina, Virginia, because, oh. you know, we just grow too much tobacco percentage-wise to what the Master Settlement Agreement called for for North Carolina's part. Well, do you see that this is going to be done on a state-by-state basis, that you're going to have to deal with the North Carolina legislature and Donnie's going to have to deal with the Georgia legislature, and that's the only way you're going to be able to work this out? Well, you know, maybe the possibility is we could do this thing in a joint thing, but, you know, it's kind of hard for the farmer. You know, that's that's a good idea, but, you know, uh, uh, I think most, most people try to take care of people at home before they do somebody else and I think it would be it's a good idea and and I'm all for it but it'd be kind of selfish for for me from a standpoint to ask somebody uh, out of Georgia to give up some of their money so we could be uh, treated on equal terms but but we do grow the same crop and and uh, if we can work out the system that uh, we we can get production up and and make profits in it well you know, I, I do okay, and, and Donnie does okay, and the farmer in South Carolina does okay, and the farmer yeah. in, in but Virginia. But it looks like you're headed to a point to where that uh, you are going to get less and grow less um, if the trend continues to try to eliminate smoking in this country. I mean, over the years to come, it appears that that is the, uh, that is the goal of government, and uh, in doing so, the tobacco companies have now... Uh, put their future somewhat in government hands, at least on the domestic market. Whether or not the export market still goes is hard to say. Gentlemen, let me stop here and say I've got callers coming in who are involved in the tobacco industry or have questions or comments for you. If you'd like to be one of them, call us right now at 888-247-4825. This is Agritalk. I think maybe we should title this week, Difficult Problems with No Solutions, but perhaps I'm wrong on that. Perhaps we will work this out over time. The tobacco industry faces a unique situation of the loss of their market uh, because of government regulation on a crop that has been legal for as long as America has been even colonies. 
And now it's a question with tobacco farmers whether they're going to get left out of the settlement money that the tobacco industry has agreed to pay to the states. Jimmy, briefly before I go to callers, has anything been passed by the uh, General Assembly of North Carolina or by your entire legislature that gives you a portion of that money? That, that the entire the farmers entitled to in this state, they, they've got to show dire need to get it. I mean, uh, the basic the language that's in uh, the Senate Bill Six that was passed uh, last Monday or last Tuesday morning was that you know you, you know the way we read into it is that this money can't be used to help you get in business. Uh, my interpretation of it is, you know, on the way out of business, it might can help you get into some other kind of business. You mean it won't allow you to keep growing tobacco if you take the money? Uh, no, well, it's not that. But, uh, it's, it's for, for <clears throat> compensation, the language is not right in it to help you stay in business. You've got to show dire need. See, our money needs to, need to have been put into a non-reverting fund, and the language should have been for decline or the elimination of the tobacco program and decline in value of assets. But all, all our language says is that it can help you, you know, if you show dire need. All right, let me go to a caller here, Bill in Nebraska. Bill, good morning. Ken? Yes, sir, Bill. Um, I was just wondering out here feeding cattle, why don't the uh, tobacco farmers switch to stuff like hemp and the cocoa plant? and save the rainforest down in Brazil and Argentina and all those South American countries, yeah. and they'd have the actors on their side out of Hollywood. You've been smoking some of that alfalfa hay out there, haven't no, you? No, I'm just tired of pushing smoky hay to cows. Well, uh, okay, I, like I get the, the drift of it, but at the, but at the same time, it, it is that in the real world here, we can get all of those products we want without growing them in the United States. But, uh, but what are you going to do? I mean, what if... What if you were faced with the same situation here? What would you want, Bill, if you were told that a crop you've been growing for generations no longer could be grown because the government said that it was harmful? Well, that's the problem. They're doing that with our beef cattle, too. And you just... But they're I not... guess you have to look for an alternative somewhere. Yeah. Well, should you have some compensation while you're looking for the alternative? Well, I guess that's... What we're trying to do, everybody in agriculture is trying to find yeah. compensation so, so somewhere. So you're, you're saying they're just in the same boat you are? Well, I think all agriculture is in the same boat. Yeah, all right. Thank you, Bill. Well, thanks a lot. I think one of our concerns is that, that the government might be... Okay, hang on just a second here, see who we still got with us. Donnie, was that you? Okay, Jimmy? Yes. Um, the, uh, the concern here is that we don't have the, uh, the, the system in place to give you a net or give you a transition. Right. And that is the thing that uh, that was left out from the beginning. I, I don't know how long ago I said, what about the tobacco farmers? And uh-huh. nothing ever came of it until you guys started yelling a little bit. Now, yeah. with that, you hear the music coming up, so I'm going to have to go to a half-hour break. When we come back, we'll continue this with you on the line and the rest of you on Tobacco on Agritalk. Now back to AgriTalk with your host, Ken Root. An encouragement for you to be with us tomorrow here on AgriTalk as we finish up the week with Open Line. We've had a lot of different issues this week. All of them almost have the same common theme to them, that times right now are very difficult in agriculture. There are no simple solutions. Well, there are some. They're just all wrong. 
The question is, how can you solve this problem of low prices that look like they're going to be with us for the foreseeable future? We'll finish up the week uh, tomorrow with your comments, just you and me. And I also have a letter or a response back from the farmer in southern Kansas that I read back uh, last week when Pat Roberts was on the air with us, who was uh, singing the praises of Freedom to Farm. And perhaps uh, we can get uh, him to call in tomorrow since he won't be over buying a farm during the show. Our two guests today are from the tobacco industry, and uh, we are hoping also to uh, add in a little bit later on the executive vice president of the uh, North Carolina Tobacco Growers Association. Here's one thing for about tobacco that is amazing to me, just how big an industry it is in the United States. If you live in corn, soybean country, you may not think much about it, but in this country, and this is 1995 stats, the U.S. produced 760 billion cigarettes of which 487 billion were consumed in this country, along with 63 million pounds of chewing tobacco and quite a number of other products. We also export a huge amount, $6.6 billion worth of U.S. tobacco exports. We move 231 billion cigarettes out of this country. And then the tax taxes in this country are quite astonishing on how much money smokers pay to the government in taxes for every pack of cigarettes that they buy. Our two guests that we have on with us uh, right now, and I see we've added Mr. Boyd in as well, Jimmy Lee, who is a tobacco farmer in North Carolina, Donnie Smith, a tobacco farmer who is in Georgia, and Graham Boyd is with us now. Mr. Boyd, good morning. Yes, good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Um, You're the executive VP of the Tobacco Growers in North Carolina. You haven't had the uh, opportunity to hear the first half hour of the show, but um, your state is a very large tobacco-growing state. Your members are the farmers, right? That's correct, Ken. And what is your biggest concern right now about their future livelihood? Well, it's quite frankly the the economic peril that's playing out on the farm. Obviously, we've had two consecutive reductions in the amount of quota, which means our farmers are now producing 35% less of this crop than they were two years ago. And then you couple that with a declining value of asset uh, that's playing out on the farm. What you're running into, as it is with any commodity scenario, our producers are going to the lender over the past few months and finding out, in fact, that they can't even get the operating capital to go forward. So we're seeing no less than six to ten absolute farm auctions every Saturday right now across North Carolina where uh, tobacco growers simply can't uh, can't stay in the fold. For the uh, tobacco farmers, the money that is has been offered by the tobacco companies uh, looks like it's pretty attractive as being a transition for them. Is that a major goal right now, to see if they can get some of those funds to give them some means of, of transitioning forward? Ken, if I want to take a little liberty to maybe try and clarify the statement you just made. You said money being offered by the tobacco companies, and I'm going to assume, and again, I didn't get to hear everything that was discussed earlier. I'm, in fact, in, in the nation's capital right now where I'm calling you back from, um, I'm going to assume that you're talking about phase two payments, which is the trust fund for uh, tobacco farmers, $5.15 billion in the in the growing regions, the tobacco-producing regions. And then there's a phase one settlement in each of these states, which is a component of the master settlement agreement, mm-hmm. which is the $206 billion that the tobacco manufacturers met with the attorneys general for the 48 to 44, 46 remaining mm-hmm. states and settled. The reason I want to clarify that is you're saying one money is being offered, which would be the phase two. The other money is litigation. 
Well, it, it's, it's all it's all fair game in my estimation, and I appreciate the cor- the clarification that you made. But no, I want to make sure I understood which which version well, you were asking me about. Let's let's go with number one. Let's okay. go with phase one. Yes. Okay. In the effort, as Jimmy was expressing earlier, that tobacco growers would like to have uh, approximately uh, half of the uh, of that money to go toward them. That's correct. Uh, the, the the tobacco advocacy organizations in our state, and and Jimmy, uh, we worked closely with him. He operated. a and organized the grassroots level and brought a lot of farmers to the legislative process. And, uh, and of course, he's a member of our organization as well. And uh, we tried to work in stride together in pursuit of, of justifying the economical need of 50% of the Phase One money, the $4.6 billion coming streaming into North Carolina that will begin in April of 2000 and be paid into perpetuity. It's a 25-year schedule. That's the, the legal agreement the companies have. And the number varies among states, but... Uh, our presentation to the legislative body in our state was, in their effort and in their wisdom, they thought that the right thing to do was to create a foundation, a 501c3 charitable nonprofit foundation. A 15-member board would be appointed. Three people would appoint that, the governor, the speaker, pro tem. A charitable foundation. Uh, yes. Does that mean that you would have to make a presentation to show that you had to have this money and you had some... Uh, design purpose on it, or would it be just based on the number of acres you had and a certain transition payment? Well, uh, and I know it's cumbersome, and I don't want to erode all, uh, all your time into talking about it. A consent decree was filed by our state attorney general, which set that foundation in aspect into motion. And the legislative body then pretty much had legislation dictated to them, and they had to act on that. And there was a deadline of March 15th, which put a lot of heat into getting that thing finalized. Yeah. What what we were trying to present was, if you, and, and the term in there was 50% foundation for tobacco-dependent communities or economically distressed areas in the state. Mm-hmm. None of us are opposed to helping our community or helping economic regions or anything of this sort. Our, our simple presentation was the tobacco farmer is the synergy of wealth in these rural, and North Carolina is a very rural state if you've ever been here, and that these people are small businesses, small industries, infrastructure that already exists. And an average scenario like Jimmy Lee's, for example, I don't want to get into his personal portfolio, but you can look at a guy there with a half-million-dollar-a-year payroll, probably uh, $2 million gross uh, operating capital in his operation, and that's in a rural part of the state. And what you've got is a small business that employs a lot of people, that pays a lot of tax, and we're saying protect what exists. Uh, that was that was the basic message to go forward there with was to help the farmer, and in so doing, that's the surest way to protect these tobacco-dependent communities. Graham, we're going to make a little switch here, and okay. you'll still be able to talk, and you'll be able to hear, and we're going to go also to Alan, who's on a mobile phone in Iowa. See what he has to say. Good morning, Alan. Uh, good morning, Ken. Um, as I listen to this, it seems to me that you're muddling two different issues together here. Probably. What are they? Um, well, the one is the lawsuit that was filed in the states that have entered into that. Mm-hmm. That lawsuit that was filed was for compensatory damages by the states, meaning that they are being compensated for money that they have had to pay out in the past or will pay out in the future for health claims. But do they not have some discretion on who that they would pay money out to in the future oh, for losses? But the state is the one who has paid that money out. Now what the people, the farmers here, are trying to do is to latch on to that pool of money somehow well, you're because a lawyer, they're being phased out. You're a lawyer. Wouldn't you do that for your client? 
I, I mean, you well, know where what the money I think is. they're doing is they're muddling it and going after these compensatory damages. Okay, so you what they you, should be doing is going for legislative, um, going to the legislative process and going for a program that allows them to phase out of it slowly. Well, Not now that's going phase after two. the existing yeah. money, but going after additional yeah. money. Okay, let's let's go back to Graham with this and you on the line here. Sure. On this second phase, how much money is available there? Five point one five billion. That's correct, and that's for the tobacco-growing regions of the United States. So that's the total that all those regions could get uh, or will get from well, we'll this share. agreement. If it ever materializes, they will share those funds with a proportion of the production. North Carolina, for example, with about 39% of the total production, would look at about $1.9 billion. Okay, here's my question period. before I run out of time. When people get that money, to get it, do you have to say... Uh, I will no longer then ask for any kind of compensation, and my tobacco growing in the future will be on the open market if the availability is is there to grow tobacco, and then you just transition. You just walk from it at that time. Will it just be a one-time payment? No. The answer to that would be no, because the program is federally legislated through appropriation, so we can't, we can't uh, abolish that at a state level. This money is designed by the companies. It really, you can call it a gift because they have an interest in keeping these tobacco growers uh, in business of growing tobacco, and it's to compensate for lost productivity, to help cash flow of these scenarios, what I described to you a moment ago. And if I can comment real quickly on what the caller said, I understand his point, and we're not trying to muddle. We didn't begin the process. We were basically told that it, the, the see, North Carolina could not sue the company. So we were privy of the settlement without lawsuit. So we have no attorney fee or anything else in there while it is litigation dollars that are compensatory, and he is correct. And we agree um, with his analysis there. However, this money was, uh, there was a legislative effort in place to send this money through a charitable nonprofit foundation that didn't even have judicial review. I mean, talk about carte blanche, send the money out to the community to do a special slush fund with it. That's what was about to happen, and that's what angered the tobacco farmer when he said, wait a minute, they're going to send this money down here and put water lines and sidewalks and, and theaters in, and I'm losing millions of dollars of investment? Yeah. The community didn't sign the bottom line of debt with the lender. I did. I built this community. The community is right. now the beneficiary. Yeah, what Jimmy said fits together there. Graham, thank you for clarifying that. Alan, thank you for your call. I need to go to a break. We'll come back to talk with Donnie, Jimmy, Graham, and you right after this on AgriTalk. For more information, man, this tobacco issue is so complex. I need a cigarette just to calm down and see if I can work my way through it. Just kidding here. Um, let's go to uh, a lady in Missouri. He's been holding for quite some time to show you the widespread growing of tobacco in this country. We've got Jerry on the line with us. Jerry, you're in DeKalb, uh, Missouri. Is that right? Well, you weren't supposed to say the name of the town. Well, you need you all the publicity you the can state. get. You need all the publicity you can get. Well, what did you say just before you put me on? Because I couldn't hear it. I said I need to calm down, and I'm thinking about smoking a cigarette. Oh, but you said something else about a woman. I said there is a woman on here who who is I want to talk to because it shows such a wide area of the country that tobacco is grown in. You're from Missouri. Right. And we do not raise near the amount of tobacco that they do or they're talking about. But it's economically important to you. It's very important. As we bought a farm that had uh, been bought my, by my grandfather in 1928, mm -hmm. raised tobacco all that length of time when we bought in 1960, 
we figured the tobacco would make the biggest percentage of payments on the farm. So in 39 years, have you managed to pay it off with the tobacco? Yes. Okay. We couldn't have paid it off with the grain crop, that's for sure. Now, what if? Uh, our, what is your concern right now about the potential loss of growing tobacco or the market for tobacco? Well, my concern is why they're pushing it tobacco, because they're going to put a lot of young farmers out of ever having a farm of their own, because they are, some of them are very hard-working young men. I'm not and disagreeing tobacco with takes, that. Tobacco takes a lot of hand labor, mm-hmm. and you cannot make the money off of any other crop when you have to invest so much in machinery. With your hand labor and tobacco, they're hard-working people. Yeah, but in the real world right now, we have to deal with, uh, they're at risk. I mean, anybody who is making money off tobacco, their income is at risk. Okay? Yes. And now the question is, how do we deal with it? If it's if you want to kick it back to the big-time federal government, uh, Big Brother thing, you can do so. But again, it's like everything else. It's now on your shoulders to decide what you're going to do. With that, Jerry, let me go over to Donnie in Georgia, who we haven't let talk for just a little while here. Donnie, the North Carolinians have spoken. Um, is there anything else that affects your state that might be different than what they're facing? I think we're all generally in the same boat. Uh, we're going to be effective. I'd like to say that, you know, it's a crop we depend on. We want to grow tobacco in the future because we know how to grow tobacco. We can grow tobacco. Uh, I think we should be compensated fairly for anything that's taken away. Even President Clinton at the governor's conference, he promised that federal government wouldn't go after state money if the money would be used for health care, and I quote, farmers. So we feel like we need some of the master settlement money so we can be compensated fairly for the losses that we're uh, having. You and Jimmy both here listening, and I think both of you can talk now, I get it from both of you. You're going to grow tobacco as long as it's legal for you to grow tobacco if you can make any money at all from growing tobacco. Well, we have to play the hand that we've been dealt. Amen. And, and tobacco is the crop that uh, that pays the bills down here. It's the only alternative we have at this time. Mm-hmm. So we just want to be compensated for anything that's taken away. I feel like we've lost 35% in the last two years. Anything, if, if, if you lost 35% of your income these past two years i mean you'd be crying too so we're hurting uh but we want to be compensated and compensated fairly have you seen your land values go down as Uh, far as our tax base no but i feel like it will erode in the future uh because that's what allows allows us to pay our county taxes and our uh ad valorem taxes is tobacco okay jimmy lee let me ask you somewhat of a similar question are you committed to keep growing tobacco as long as it's legal to do so and you can make money at it? Yes, sir. I, you know, I've, <clears throat> I've got this investment of my life in specialized equipment, and right now with production levels down, it's all-time low. And just to give you an example, <clears throat> out of Phase 1 and Phase 2, monies that, that could flow into the state, and the people need to understand that Phase 2 is no more than a gentleman's agreement Mm-hmm. It, it's you know it's no legislation, it's no mandate, and it says in the fine print that if a uh, tobacco manufacturer occurs a financial hardship, they are not you know is not obligated to pay uh, the the payments in phase two. Mm-hmm. So that's no more than a gentleman's agreement. But just let me give you an example <clears throat> of what North Carolina will lose this year with a 17.5%, you know, approximately 100 million pounds of production, and at a price of $1.80 per pound, 
you know that that comes out time at least farm gate level throughout the economies of the state here is over a billion dollars and and the best that we could get back would be three hundred fifty if if phase two materializes and and phase one materializes so that you know uh, the taxpayer of this state is going to have to absorb that you know uh, somewhere down the line you know like I say our our, our assets and specialized equipment's probably eroded in the last two years of what it were two years ago, probably down to thirty percent level right now, and yeah. the only way those assets can come back is production levels to go back up and there there's a market out there for what we're growing. <clears throat> but they, well, I think that's that's true. It's just a question of what uh, interference the government is going to make in that market in the future, minimal or maximum. Uh, Jimmy, let me have Lewis join you here. Lewis from Missouri uh, with a comment. Lewis, good morning. Good morning. I'm a tobacco producer, and I've raised tobacco all my life. Um, you know, I think we're just looking at a phase here where we're caught in the middle of everything. The president for two years has promised that he's going to take care of the tobacco farmer, he has not one plan in his mind of doing that. Uh, the back companies through phase two may cover one-third of the uh, amount that we've lost. Uh, burley tobacco is similar to flu cured. We all raise tobacco, and it's all hard work. Uh, burley tobacco has lost 37.8% of its quota in the last two years. Uh, so the situation in both areas is very similar. Um, from the attorney point of view on phase one money, that money, you know, our state of Missouri is in the black. We're not in the red. Uh, that means our bills have been paid. That means that uh, the taxpayer, I assume, if the, if the risk are as bad, the amounts are so bad on the health care costs, you know, the taxpayer has footed that bill, not the state of Missouri itself. Um, are, are your growers in Missouri willing to have a settlement with them of a certain amount per acre or anything? I think we're just looking looking for leadership. I think Missouri, is a, we grow 1% of the burley tobacco in mm-hmm. the nation which figures out to less than a half percent of all tobacco. Uh, Missouri, you know, will have a tougher time than North Carolina or Tennessee or Kentucky uh, growers in getting money from phase one. But yeah, I yeah think, you don't you have know, the political clout that they we, have in those right, we, We're stuck yeah. in the middle, whether we're in North Carolina or in Missouri or Tennessee, and, uh, you know, the government has caused this mess, and I think we just like for them to somewhere along the line fix it. And the president said he would always take care of us. Every speech he gave on national TV. Um, well, they're getting right on it. Uh, in fact, Graham's up there today, and I'm sure that they're just about to solve the whole problem. Lewis, <laughs> let me go to Graham to finish up this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Graham? Yes, sir. Um, I take it you don't see that the federal government is uh, there and ready to help you right now. I would say uh, it's very, very complicated, and you've got a mixed, uh, mixed review as to as to what that level of help or what that uh, role of help might would be. Um, so, uh, yes, to the short part, <laughs> the short answer of your question, I don't think they're ready right now. No. Yes, they're not ready. Yes, that's correct. Your 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 analogy okay. was yeah. correct. You know what, gentlemen, Donnie and Jimmy and Graham, I learned a lot this hour about the phase one, the phase two. I still don't know what you're going to do, and probably it's because you don't know either, but this is a serious problem for you, for any tobacco grower across this country, and we thank you all for uh, putting your heartfelt emotions into it and joining us today. So, Donnie and Jimmy, you may not be able to answer. Thank you. And, Graham, thank you for being with us. Well, thank you. And, and again, one final thing. People's livelihoods is what we're worried about here. Through no fault of their own, they're being forced out. This is AgriTalk. Thanks for listening. 
you'd like to send an email to tell me what you thought of this show, it's kenroot at gmail.com, K-E-N-R-O-O-T at gmail.com.